0: Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.
1: Hello, my dark darlings. I'm Markia, and this is the Something Scary Podcast. To our veteran listeners and those voyaging into the dark with us for the first time, welcome. It's terrifying to think that something could be on your trail. Something or somebody When something as simple as walking down the street, no matter the time of day, takes on an ominous tone whenever you can hear or feel somebody else paying too much attention to you. I know it happens a lot to me just in everyday life. Sometimes you just wanna fly under the radar, but you just don't really have that option in some parts of society. Because danger stalks in many forms. It can pursue you. It can become you. And it can possess you. The sinking feeling of inescapable threats can drag you down until the tether is severed. Terrifying stalkers embody various forms of fear in these following stories. First, we try to get away from it all with a father-daughter trip to the mountains. Next... A new family encounters a figure from the past. Then, a sleepover takes a mother back to her childhood. But those memories should not be remembered. Finally, a young woman shares her story of possession at just four years old. I receive hundreds of creepy story submissions every single week. As always, the first story you hear is one that we've chosen to animate and post over at youtube.com snarled. Then, I read a few more stories for the podcast. If you have a tale you're dying to share, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. And if you'd like to support the show in 2020, consider joining our Patreon. Our patrons play a huge role in keeping the show running every single week. And you get lots of cool bonus content. For more information on how you can help the show and also be a part of it, visit patreon.com snarled. So... Want to hear something scary? Misty Mountains of the Dead Today's tale takes us on a nice, quiet retreat in the Pakistani mountains. Who knows what we'll meet in those high altitudes? Maybe a friend, or maybe not. Get ready for this next harrowing story, inspired by a submission from Hisham. Late one spring, Mahira and her father, Imran, decided to take a trip to the Saliman Mountains during the holiday break. They had never been before, but had gotten a good deal on an old cabin that offered rest and seclusion from their busy city lives. After the long drive, Mahira, a budding photographer, set out to explore with her new camera. Wary of the unfamiliar surroundings, her father asked her to be careful and to not go too far. The closest town was a good hike away and the cabin was very isolated in the wilderness. Promising that she wouldn't be long, Mahira began strolling through the woods, breathing in the fresh air and pausing to take pictures whenever inspiration hit. When she stopped to review a few of the photos, Mahira was startled to see another face looking back at her. There was a boy standing between the trees, She looked around and called out, announcing herself as a friend. Suddenly, he emerged from behind a tree. He seemed close in age to Mahira and was carrying a large backpack and wearing a very tightly wrapped scarf around his nose and mouth. Mahira found that rather curious and asked his name. He whispered that his name was Omar and that he'd gotten lost while on a hike with his parents. It was starting to get dark and Mahira didn't feel comfortable leaving him alone in the woods so she invited Omar to join her and her father in the cabin for dinner. After dinner, her father suggested that Omar stay the night with them and offered to drive him home in the morning. Omar graciously declined, saying he didn't want to impose. As a parent, Imran reasoned, it would give him peace to ensure Omar got home safely to his parents. Why risk the possibility of getting lost again, Imran said. Wanting to appear grateful, Omar accepted. After a game of checkers, Mahira and her father were tired from their long day. As Imran began to make a bed on the couch for Omar, violent knocking erupted at the front door. Startled, Imran approached the door. Maybe it's your parents, he said to Omar as he swung it open, but there was nobody there just a cold, empty mist that began pouring to the room from the outside. Black and gray wisps swiftly surrounded them and a chorus of wails echoed somewhere in the distance. Imran felt the mist feather across his face as if seeking an entrance. Omar suddenly shouted, cover your mouths, it's the mists of the dead, they're real. He covered his nose and mouth with his arm, handing his scarf to Mahira. Quick, cover your face, he demanded. Amron slammed the door shut, turning to Omar and demanding to know what the boy knew of it. I thought it was just a tale, a tale to scare kids away. Families in my village say that within the mists up here are the spirits of the dead children who've died in the woods on top of this mountain, he explained, telling them that actually he'd hiked up here on a dare from friends before he got lost and ran into Mahira. If even half of what they whispered about those mists were true, They had to keep away from them, Omar warned. Legend had it that at the base of nearby Mount Chilton, a poor couple had abandoned their hungry children to fend for themselves, and now the wailing and crying of the children could be heard whenever the mist appeared. Slowly, Imran nodded, saying he thought it was best to lock all the doors and windows and wait out the night. They quickly closed up the cabin as best they could, They would all sleep in the living room tonight and leave once the sun rose. Mahira sorted through the pictures she had taken the day before. She couldn't sleep thinking about the mist waiting outside. Just as she began to nod back off, she heard soft footsteps on the floor. She turned her head in time to see the mist had entered a crevice in the room, and with it, an ashen, blank eyed Omar. He was holding a large piece of firewood poised over the head of her sleeping father. Mahira flung her camera at Omar, knocking him back. The camera flashed, and black vapor, like the fog from earlier, lifted away from Omar's face. But just as she breathed a sigh of relief, it quickly began to gather upon his face again. Grabbing her camera, she triggered the flash again and again. Through a blur of intense light strobes, she watched the vapor evaporating from Omar's body. Gasping for air, Omar apologized, crying that he had been taken over by the spirits. Awakened by all the commotion, Emron handed each of them a blanket and demanded they wrap them around their noses and mouths. We're leaving right now. Stay close to me. With their faces covered, they followed Emron outside. They huddled together, pushing through the thick vapor of the dead as it swirled like tentacles around them. Mahira angled her camera as they ran, each snap of her flash acting like a shield against the dark mist creeping ever closer. Emron jumped into the car, starting the engine as Omar and Mahira jumped into the back seat, locking the doors. Emron turned on the brights and slammed on the gas. The headlights burned through the grasping mists as they sped down the mountain. Behind them, the sun rose, thinning the mists, which retreated away back into the dark crevices of Salaman Mountains.
0: Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs
1: Imaginary friends become less and less real the older you get but sometimes they can spring back into your life for one last game like in this story inspired by chance after being kicked out by his parents Camilo found the love of a new family in the home of his boyfriend Andres both Andres's parents welcomed him with open arms and acceptance As he unpacked the last of his belongings, he expressed how everything seemed to finally be falling into place, but that he felt scared that something bad would come to pass. I just get overcome with fear when I sit in the backyard sometimes. Like something tells me this won't last forever, Camilo shared. The good was always followed with the bad, he thought, Andres reassured him that life happens, good or bad, all the time, but that they could get through anything together. Like college in the fall, he joked. One weekend, Andres had his cousins Maribel and Martine over while the parents went on a trip. They decided to watch streaming spooky movies late into the night. They hopped through slashers, hauntings, and possession films. In between movies, Maribel went to the kitchen for more popcorn and then let out a scream. (laughs) Quickly, the others rushed into the kitchen, breathing rapidly, Andres, Camilo, followed by Martine. They found Maribel, staring through the window, the large glass pane door that led to the backyard. Just beyond the patio, in the overgrown grass, was a tree stump that usually sat empty. But on that night, a tall and lanky figure in a trench coat with a top hat stood still in the darkness. It's the pointy head man, Andres whispered, a realization washing over his face. No one believed me. Camilo got the strange feeling again, and Andres looked ashamed as he apologized for not telling him, but the truth was, he hadn't seen the pointy head man since they were children. The pointy head man used to play a game of tag with them by whistling as they circled and hid with other neighborhood children. But when the whistling stopped, one of them wouldn't return. The children had always assumed the person had just gotten tired and gone home from the game. Besides, everyone just thought the pointy-head man was Andres' imaginary friend. But now it was back. Andres realized aloud, I think he wants to play the game. Martin walked outside, grabbing a rake on the patio, brandishing it as a weapon. I don't like games, he shouted. That's when the whistle began. Looking over, the pointy-head man had disappeared from the stump. The game had begun. Martin walked around in the darkness, only slightly illuminated by the movement catching light on the patio. Slamming his hand down on the stump... Base," he laughed, making fun of the game. He walked over to the grill and grabbed the bottle of lighter fluid. The low whistle continued, getting higher and higher. Martine, get back in here now, before he stops, Andres shouted. Martine pumped himself up, kicking the stump, pouring lighter fluid on it. If some old creep is trying to play games with my friends and my sister, he's got another thing coming. Just wait till I get my hands on him. The whistle stopped. The movement light on the patio turned off. No! Andres cried, running out. The outside light clicked back on, revealing Martine pinned to the grass. The pointy head man's unnaturally long arms wrapped around him. As they watched, the pointy head man opened its maw, sinking a mouthful of pincers into his shoulder. Andres jumped back in horror. Slowly, the pointy head man angled its face to fix its gaze onto Andres and began a new whistle. Camilo yanked Andres back quickly as the whistle abruptly stopped, and the pointy head man lunged forward. Taking her shot, Maribel grabbed the air lighter and set fire to the thing that had taken and bitten her brother. Maribel collapsed in her cousin's arms as her brother's body still wrapped in the arms of the pointy-head man was caught within the flames. The coroners determined Martin's actual cause of death to be anaphylaxis from an unknown bug bite. The kids wanted to tell them what had really done it, but they knew they wouldn't be believed. Camilo's bad feeling went away for a while after that, but over the next few months, the stump, got healthier and healthier. The feeling began to grow back, stronger and stronger, and they both knew they'd have to play another game with the pointy-head man. Thank you for sharing this story with us, Chance. Imaginary friends are a great source of comfort for children. It's why parents will allow them to have it. But then on the other side of that... It might be a friend who is not imaginary and actually isn't much of a friend at all. If you're fascinated by the darker sides of humanity, join us every week on our podcast, Serial
0: Killers
1: Sleepovers are a time for scary stories and games like Truth or Dare, and in this story inspired by Veronica, the truth rises out of the past for a mother and daughter. Looking around at my daughter's friends, each of them stared up at me wide-eyed as I began the final story for their sleepover. It was the 90s, I said, way before any of you were born. There weren't cell phones or Uber. I was a senior in high school then. You all know the water basin down near Mill Road, right? My friends and I had dared each other to sneak out of the house to see if it really was haunted. See, a year before, during a full moon, a girl had jumped off the tower on a dare. Afterwards, everyone said her spirit haunted the place waiting to get back at the kids who had left her to die. It was a full moon that night, and I was uncomfortable as I followed my friends Tiffany and Janine. Janine looked over at me and said, I heard that the jumping girl would do anything to fit in. It was before I moved here, though. Did either of you know her? Patricia? Tiffany? I shook my head as I looked at Tiffany But I told Janine that everyone had heard of it. It had been repeated enough that I could recount it like I had been there. Her jumping, missing the deep end, and her body floating back up. Her neck twisted grotesquely. I paused in my story and glanced over at my daughter Alexis. She was looking back at me strangely. I continued with my story for the sleepover. Janine and Tiffany's flashlights illuminated the water tower. There was a rumble above, and the metal ledge creaked in the night air. I don't know what made me do it, but I looked at Tiffany and chanted, Jump. She looked at me, then over at Janine, she said, Jump. Then again, jump. Janine started chanting, jump. We shouted together, jump, jump, jump and something big splash landed into the water behind us. My daughter's friends all gasped, and one of them piped up. What was it? Was it the jumping girl? I don't know, I said. We screamed all the way back here to my parents' house. I looked back once and thought I saw something following us, and didn't look back again. Later that night, while everyone else was asleep in their sleeping bags... Something woke me up. I thought I heard a scratching at the front door. Scratch,
0: scratch, scratch.
1: And then I heard it. The wind outside seemed to sigh my name. Patricia. I smiled inwardly as my daughter's friends seemed to hold their breath, spellbound by my story. What did you do then, Mom? Alexis croaked. I walked over to the door, and there was another scratch, 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 and heard the wind sigh. Let me I yanked back the curtain on the door and nothing was there. The end. Alexis's friend Connie groaned and rolled her eyes. The story can't end there. Was there a puddle of water left behind by the jumping girl? Or maybe claw marks in the door? Another voice chimed in. It was Alexis looking at me very seriously. Did you know who did it? Do you know who made the jumping girl jump? I swallowed and laughed. What a question. No. And Connie, it does end there. I put my Walkman earphones on so I would stop hearing things and went to sleep. Actually, I scared myself for weeks afterwards, thinking something was calling out to me to be let in at night. I would look through the curtains, but there was never anything there. Moral of the story is, don't sneak out of houses during sleepovers. Connie rolled her eyes again. Such a mom thing to say, she grumbled as the girls settled into their sleeping bags in the living room. You never opened the door at night to look? Just in case. Not once? Alexis asked me in a low voice and I shook my head. There was no point, honey. It was just my overactive imagination. I kissed her on the forehead. Mm. Mom... Last year, when you told that story at our old place, you said that you did know the jumping girl, that you and Aunt Tiffany had been there when she, I interrupted her. I was mistaken. I snapped. Okay, everyone, go to sleep. Leaving my daughter and her friends to giggle at each other in the living room, I headed up the stairs of my old childhood home. Alexis and I had moved here for the summer as I settled my parents' estate and prepped the house for sale. Honestly, I'd be glad to see this house go. I never did sleep well here after that night with Tiffany and Janine. It still felt a little weird to sleep in the master bedroom, so tonight I settled in my teenage room. Surrounded by posters of old boy bands, I drew the curtains in my old room and Slipped in my AirPods to listen to nature sounds to ease myself into sleep. Later that night, I startled awake. Something wet dripped onto my face. Wiping the moisture away, I looked over at my phone. A silent alert was flashing on it. The front door had been opened. Had it been one of the girls? I opened my mouth to shout down to Alexis and another drop of water fell on my face. Looking up and around, I could see no wet spot in the ceiling, and I was alone in the room. Then I heard it, from inches in front of me. Patricia! Scrambling back, I felt something tighten around my throat, twisting at my neck, strangling off my air. Patricia! My hands flailed out, clawing at nothing. Nothing was there. The whispery voice sounded directly in front of me. I was invisible to you and Tiffany when I was alive, too. Until the night you both dared me to jump off the tower. Eyes wide, I coughed, trying to scream. How? How?
0: Your daughter Let
1: me in. The jumping girl's hands tightened further, and as I twisted and fought, black spots began to dance before my eyes. Downstairs, Alexis closed the front door softly. She thought she had heard a voice asking to be let in, but her mother had been right. It had all just been her overactive imagination. Thank you for sharing this story with us, Veronica. I wonder what the most terrifying thing in this story really is. Is it being haunted by a ghost, stalked by this ghost for years until it could get a hold of you? Or is it being responsible for that ghost's death in the first place and never owning up to it and living with that your entire life? Evil forces are continually attracted to both our innocence and most innocent of traditions. In this story, inspired by Natasha, we'll watch a devil try to get its due. When I was four years old, I wandered around the fields of our island home of Mauritius, overlooking the Indian Ocean. Within a clearing in a thicket, I stumbled across an old woman chanting over Sindor. red powder it was on a rock she was chanting while ritualistically arranging lemons around the rock curious I hid and watched as she collapsed in the clearing chanting with her hands in the air over the scene she had set gasping she made final motions over the powder and lemons and staggered weakened out of the clearing once she had left I felt drawn to the rock. Without thinking, I grabbed a handful of the red powder and smeared it all over my face. I still remember how it glimmered in the sunlight. It was so pretty. Grabbing a lemon, I bit into it as I wandered back, smacking my lips at the juicy tartness my mother found me marked and threw the lemon away. She reprimanded me for touching things I didn't understand while washing off my face. It was a common belief in our island culture that lemons are often associated with the invocation of an evil spirit, and the red powder was traditionally used to mark the heads of the married. The next morning, I awakened to circumstances a child couldn't comprehend. It felt like I had been pushed outside of my own body, unable to control my movements. Then it came. A voice, stuck and twisting around within my head. My mother found me guttural and mumbling, convulsing and running a fever. Worried, she put me in a bath to bring down my temperature. I remember looking down at my body, watching myself throw tantrums as my mom and aunts came over to pray over me. After that episode... For a while, I would feel like myself again. But late into the night, I once more felt dragged out of my body. That morning, I saw myself lying in bed as everyone woke up and I tried to take control, praying the same words that had been said over me the night before. Then I heard the same voice telling me to kill myself. Without wanting to, my body responded to it. I jumped out of my bed, ran through the kitchen and into the street. There I was, standing in front of a car, hurtling toward me at full speed. I couldn't move. It was as if something held me there. Something evil holding my feet to the pavement. Right before impact, my mother quickly pulled me into her arms. The neighbors rushed over while my mom rocked me, saying that I'd never do anything like this, that I'd been acting strange ever since I had come home, smeared in red, eating lemons, that I had been acting as if one possessed. A kindly elder neighbor had my mother and I brought to a temple immediately. Possession they said over me as I laid on a bed in the living quarters of the local temple. The voices in my head kept gibbering and screaming. It was driving me crazy. And the statues of the gods surrounding me made me feel like my skin was crawling. I was held down by my mother and her sisters while the priests led a prayer to the gods. To me, the prayers felt like my ears were being scraped raw each word felt like a knife piercing my small body. The priest went on and on and did not stop until I stopped convulsing and threw up a black oozing goo. The priest seized upon it, covering it with a cloth and ushering all of us away into another room. Finally, at long last, it was over. The holy man told us to never share what happened to me when I was four years old to anyone, especially to anyone outside of my family. And up until now, we haven't. Now, I'm older and sitting in a temple. It's my wedding day, and I open the container in front of me with a deep breath. The red cinder is resplendent. My hand shakes as I lift a finger to dip into it. Cindor powder is a beautiful tradition to wear on your wedding day. But because of what specifically happened to me, I'm nervous to touch it. What had that old woman been doing in that clearing before I stumbled upon it? Whispers and worries begin to fill my head. Echoes. Of that dark, insistent voice of long ago, but that had been decades ago, and I was freed. Anything else was all just in my head, wasn't it? This week's podcast stories were edited by Ash Moon, Marquia McCarty, and Sabina Graves. Audio edited by Johnny Ashley and Fitz Harris. Produced by Annalise Nelson. Music by Safar Sandalo. If you have a story you'd like to submit, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. Don't forget to watch the video version of Something Scary over at youtube.com snarled. And if you'd like to support the show and receive bonus content, join our Patreon at patreon.com snarled. Until next time, my dark darlings, sweet dreams.